3: from KQED.
1: Americans are snapping up airline tickets and hotel reservations, heralding a summer 2021 vacation boom. Photos from destinations ranging from campgrounds to Caribbean islands are popping up in social media feeds. But how safe is travel? And what do vacationers need to consider as the economy reopens? Many Americans are opting for domestic travel, leading to car rentals and hotels already selling out in popular cities. We discuss where people are heading this summer and what's changed as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. That's next on forum after this news. Let's face it, summer 2020 was a bust, but with vaccines available to Americans 12 and up and COVID-19 rates plummeting in most parts of the country, it's looking increasingly likely that this summer will be very different. By one estimate, some two thirds of Americans are planning to travel over the coming months, but the world has changed. Masks, vaccine passports, PCR tests, unruly passengers. We didn't even know these terms a couple years ago. This hour, we're gonna talk about travel with a panel of experts, and we wanna hear from you as well. Where are you going? What are you excited to do again? And who are you excited to see? What questions do you have for our experts? Join me to discuss all of this is Jeanette Seha. She's an award-winning bilingual travel journalist, television host, travel advisor, and global public speaker. She is based in Southern California, but is joining us from Istanbul. Jeanette, welcome to Forum. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for making time on your uh, travel uh we're gonna get to that in a bit um i'm also joined right now by natalie compton she is washington post travel writer and author of by the way that's a column natalie thank you as well
4: thank you and i'm joining from the glamorous fresno california so not as oh, hey. exciting travel, but, cal- uh, but yeah yeah <laughs> back, good uh, back
1: to see your family i take it yes yes exactly Well, I wanted to actually start with that because you have had um, some very sort of personal and humorous columns in recent months about this issue everyone's it seems like everybody's you know going back on vacation or planning a vacation um it's like a stoplight just turned green after a year Mm. of reds and i know that you have kind of had to get back into the groove of it yourself even though you're a professional travel writer so can you talk about like what the basics essentially like what how out of practice are you after a year of pandemic living and what were the things that might have surprised someone like yourself who again does this for a living
4: I was definitely surprised at how thoroughly chaotic being out of practice made things I packed so bizarrely for my first trip, completely forgot to pack underwear, brought like four pairs of pants and not enough shirts. So when you're going back into doing this stuff, really go overboard on planning and like really make a list of what you think you need when you leave. Cause we've been at home for so long. you had everything you needed all around you at all times. When you're going anywhere, uh, it takes more more time to think about how you're going to be traveling again uh and I think it's also strange to be around so many strangers again going to the airport felt like being at the zoo watching all of these different people do all these crazy things I saw a man eat a mint off the floor of the airport it's just like it's chaotic to be back again so prepare yourself from being exposed to humanity again
1: And people are apparently still doing gross things they did before. I mean, Jeanette, Jeanette, as I said, you just landed in Istanbul, I believe, overnight. Um, I'm not sure if this is your first international trip or not, but what was that experience like? How did how did your how did how was your travel?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I actually, landed in Istanbul Airport two hours ago. So I flew out of LAX, uh, Los Angeles Airport yesterday. Thirteen-hour flight direct from LA, and yeah, it was. It, this is my first international flight trip in over one year. So it's been really interesting. Um, I traveled a few times domestically, but to travel overseas to a country I've never been to like Turkey it's a completely whole new experience um but I can say it's been very smooth and I've been very pleasantly impressed um in the few hours that I've been in Turkey
1: well that's good to hear I mean I feel like one of the things we're hearing a lot about if we're still at home are like unruly passengers people fighting over masks um Jeanette, you want to start? I mean, have you seen evidence of this? I know the the TSA has recorded, you know, this huge spike in these types of incidents. Um, what what are you experiencing? Yes. Yeah,
5: so um, just from the past twenty four hours on my international flight uh, from LAX, I did see everybody wearing masks as well as on the flight. Um, as well for international flight, uh, I had to get a proof of COVID negative COVID test, and I. I now know every airline and every country might require a different mm. uh, kind of negative COVID test. I know for Turkish Airlines, it was a PCR. Um, so I specifically went to get that neg- uh, COVID test. And also for international travel, do you need a visa? Um, other layers to it. Do you need health insurance? Uh, What is the specific country or international destination that you're going to requiring? And uh, I did have to show proof of my negative COVID test when I checked in at LAX and then when I checked in at the Istanbul airport through immigration and customs. And so far I've been learning that everyone is required to wear masks in Turkey and Mm. everybody is wearing them outside in the public, in the
1: hotels. So it's it sounds like they're they're keeping up good track with that mm-hmm. That's so interesting. You, you just don't know. It's so different from place to place. I'm Marisa Lagos in for Mina Kim today, and we are talking about summer travel with uh, Jeanette Seha, a Southern California-based travel journalist, TV host, and travel advisor, and Natalie Compton, reporter and columnist for The Washington Post, by the way, column. Um, Natalie, I know you went to Hawaii, which is not international, but also has its own very complicated list of things you need to do ahead of time. Uh, Can can you talk a little bit about your experience and like what what your advice is to people who are maybe thinking about that kind of travel right now to Jeanette's point? I mean, it's probably even more complicated if you have a family or children along for the for the trip.
4: Not only is it more complicated, it can be much more expensive because you're talking about maybe four or five coronavirus tests that you have to Mm -hmm. get ahead of your trip. So I think that something people underestimate is exactly how many steps and how many days goes into doing these tests ahead of your travel. Like Jeanette said, every destination will have something different for Hawaii. You need to get a specific coronavirus test 72 hours before your last flight to Hawaii. So if you have multiple layovers, it's not timed with that first flight you get on. It's timed with your last one that will go directly to Hawaii. Uh, And they have a list of, places that you can get the test from on their uh, health department website or the tourism department website. Because if you don't get one from a trusted traveler partner, they will deny you at the airport. There's no rapid testing at the airport where you can make up for your mistake. You're done. You're either quarantining in your hotel room for 10 days in Hawaii or you get sent back home. So it is extremely strict. We've heard of this happening a number of times. So it's not something that they're just threatening. They're absolutely sticking to these very specific rules. And that's going to be similar to what we're seeing happening in Europe or uh, other destinations that require COVID tests. People might think, oh, I could just, maybe it's not 72 hours. Maybe it's a rapid test, not a PCR test. Maybe that's fine. You really want to be strict about that. Uh, And to your point about people getting upset on flights, it uh, it was uncomfortable to wear a mask for all of those different flights to Hawaii. It was about 11 hours of travel. So I think that is agitating people, even if... Even if you are comfortable wearing a mask normally, it's just a long time to wear a mask. So the FAA has reported more than 1,300 cases of unruly passengers this year, which is just nuts. And uh, people who are getting into fights can get fined up to $10,000, $20,000 if they end up assaulting someone on a plane. So if you're not sure you want to mask up to the Seychelles or flying 24 hours to the Maldives, don't, uh, don't go right now because that is still a strict rule on most airlines.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Jeanette, I mean, what about the question of, you know, because there are all these regulations and restrictions and you have to take a test and, you know, I mean, kids under 12 can't be vaccinated yet. Like, what's your advice around thinking about Booking things that are refundable, um, booking far out versus maybe, you know, not as far out. Like, how, how are you thinking about that in this moment? Given, you know, how many people last summer had just their entire, you know, year upended and probably a lot of people lost a lot of money.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have uh, my brother with uh, two young daughters, and one of the things now that they're out of school in and, and summer is some suggestions would be like doing a road trip. They live in Pasadena, mm-hmm. uh, maybe going to a national park and driving. Um, if they're looking to go further outside of California, uh, there are hotels that you can book now um and and they won't penalize you if you change the dates for example um there's a lot of hotels that are also doing staycations like in la i know there's a lot of hotels so for families that maybe want to stay local but you know have a pool and get out um I know that there's a lot of hotels doing those staycations so that the families can, you know, what, what they're most comfortable with, they can at least get out and, and experience, you know, in Southern California, the beautiful weather, uh, horseback riding. There's a lot of outdoor activities that um, are available to families that, you know, like provide social social distancing
1: right and and natalie i mean jeanette brings up a point of driving but that but that brings up another problem which is there's actually a huge shortage of rental cars because a lot of rental companies had to kind of sell off their fleet during the economic devastation last year um any tips on how to think about that maybe take your own car or (laughs) If you do have your own car, that's great. But
4: uh, in my case, I don't have a car. And when I flew to Hawaii, I definitely saw those rates that people are tweeting about, lamenting all across the country, not just in Hawaii. But like you said, rental car companies sold off their fleets for cash when they needed it most during the pandemic. Now they're scrambling to ramp up because no one saw the demand for travel in any way. Uh, They didn't expect it to go this fast, this voluminous. So it seems that nobody's ready. While we wait for those car rental companies to build up their fleets, you can definitely look for alternatives. I used Turo. It's pretty much the Airbnb of yeah, car rentals. I've used that.
1: It's actually pretty cool. Yeah.
4: Oh, it was great. It was really easy. I had a contactless pickup uh, at the airport in Hawaii and drove around a uh, in a some guy's truck. And right. it totally worked <laughs> out. If you are feeling really desperate, I also rented a van through Airbnb, which is uh, unconventional, but it was a way to get a car that was under the $700 rate that I was seeing with Hertz or Avis. So you can get creative or you can book really far in advance. If you're thinking it's too expensive, I'm just going to not do a rental car, be warned that all across the country, even in Puerto Rico, there are shortages of Uber and Lyft drivers. So Uh that is not a reliable backup right now. If you are going to a place where you need a car, you're either going to face really high rates if you can get one, or it's going to say no cars available and you just can't, get one at all. So yeah. plan for those transportation issues in advance as you're choosing all right. your destination.
1: Alright, we're coming up on a break. I'm Marisa Lagos here for Amina Kim. We're talking about the summer travel boom with journalist Natalie Compton and Jeanette Seha. We want to know what travel plans do you have for the summer? What concerns or questions do you have about travel after a year of pandemic? You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. 866-733-6786. You can also uh, get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at at KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We'll be right back in a moment with more.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
1: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos in Fermina Kim. We are talking summer travel with journalist Natalie Compton. She writes the Washington Post by the way column. Jeanette Seha, a Southern California based travel journalist, host, travel advisor, and global public speaker. And I want to bring in now Faith Adiale. Uh, she is an Oakland based travel writer and author of Meeting Faith. Uh, the journal for sorry meeting faith the forest journals of a black Buddhist nun and founder of the traveling while BIPOC writing workshop for wider for writers who are black indigenous and people of color. Faith welcome to forum thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So. You think about travel in a slightly different way, I think, than traditional travel writers. Um, And I'm curious, you know, given that framework of, you know, how people who may be going to spaces they're not comfortable in or are meeting people that aren't comfortable with them, just how you're kind of thinking about... Post-pandemic travel and and what the last year has done to us, um, we've all been so isolated and out of practice for social interactions, right? So, what are <laughs> how, how are you thinking about this this new transition? One of a million we've all gone through in the past year, right? How do people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, because my you know my interest in general is always um, you know trying to make travel accessible for the non-traditional travel. So like how do folks of color, how do disabled folks, how do queer folks, how do folks with limited income feel welcome in the travel sphere, and then also how to make travel meaningful for both the traveler and the host community. So I was always interested in travel being ethical, mindful, you know, sustainable, and ultimately decolonial. And I think that um, one of the things that this 15... 15 months of reflection have allowed us to do is to be more mindful about what we want to do with our travel dollars. And some of the travel that I've always been most interested in was the stuff that was uh, supporting the locals. So, micro businesses and uh, non traditional tours and collecting, you know, connecting with cooperatives and really having an opportunity to get back to what travel does best, which is this cross cultural interaction. Uh, and you know, moving outside of you know kind of gated communities, and so I think a lot of interesting things have grown up in this during this time. People have been rethinking their their business models and trying to come up with new things, and so it 's a great opportunity for us to travel in a different way, I think, and think about you know where we want our dollars to be
1: yeah, and I want to bring in a few callers in just a moment, but i'm curious um and maybe Natalie, you can jump in on this too like you know, I I think faith brings up this really great point, just generally, no matter who you are about being respectful of of the people around you and and the places you're going. I mean, I I wonder, like, if you feel like there is etiquette being developed around, you know, the vaccination questions, the safety questions, because, like, The first time I went to restaurants after I got vaccinated, I had this like compulsory desire to tell the wait stuff (laughs) like, I'm vaccinated, (laughs) I swear, you know, but like, it's so different place to place. So Natalie uh, Compton, what do you what what do you think about like how we should be communicating this stuff? Or am I just like, is it TMI, you know? Uh, I think that's interesting, uh, because,
4: right, what is the etiquette of going somewhere and unannounced telling people Hey, I am vaccinated right now. It seems like what I've encountered at restaurants is sometimes I'll put, uh, you know, you walk in with your mask on, you sit down, the waiter comes to your table and you have your mask on. I've had multiple servers tell me, Oh, you don't have to wear a mask. So sometimes I feel like it can be as casual as that. And that Mm -hmm. might signal that they're vaccinated and they feel comfortable. I like to follow people's lead where you are and, and see how everyone is uh, acting, but You're definitely right in that we're at an odd time or an interesting limbo for travel etiquette in general. Throughout the pandemic, I spoke with lots of people in popular tourist destinations, whether that was Oaxaca or Hawaii and Puerto Rico. And there were many locals saying tourists who were coming during the pandemic didn't show much regard for the local communities there. And there was this big clash in a lot of places. So I think as tourism starts to heal and more people are going out, it's even more important to be very mindful about respecting the local community uh, like Faith said, really focusing on supporting local businesses. Don't just go to the Hyatt. Go to the mom-and-pop shops that have really been suffering throughout the whole pandemic. That's a way to show that you care about the place
1: that you're visiting. Awesome. All right, I'm going to bring in Liz from Menlo Park. Liz, welcome to Forum.
2: Hey, hi. Um, I'm going to be traveling to Europe, specifically France, at the end of the month. Um, I've already had one flight canceled, but that's nothing. We had five canceled last year before we got away. Uh, the thing is just to hang in there and, and, you know, keep re rebooking and then cross, you know, keep your fingers crossed. My question is, um, there's a lot of hoo-ha about the, um, the COVID. Pa- I'm going to use the word passport, although I think health certificate is probably the most acceptable term. Um, in this country, all we have is the little paper certificate that we got from the CDC when we were vaccinated. In um, in Europe and um, other parts of the world, they're going to be doing um, vaccinations uh, digitally with uh, QR codes and um, various other things. What is the status on the American version of this? Um, Does anybody know yeah, what they're thank- doing?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Jeanette, Natalie, Faith, any- yeah. <laughs> who wants to grab that one?
3: So right
4: now, there are so many different vaccine passports that are being developed all over the place. Airlines have some destinations have some new york city has one right now what you need to know what travel advisors are telling me is that you really want to make sure that you're traveling with your original vaccine card even though it's just a piece of paper right now make sure that you have that with you as well as a copy that is saved either in your luggage or somewhere else it's not on your person just in case you lose it and you you don't have either card now uh and as far as france uh what is good news is that we've heard that France is opening to vaccinated Americans next Wednesday. You will still need to do a PCR test within, I think, about 72 hours before your flight. So that's better news than we've heard in a long time. So hopefully that means that your canceled flights won't be canceled going forward. But for now, as people are truly just scrambling to figure out what the best vaccine passport option is, you are likely going to have to upload your test results upload uh, maybe a photo of your vaccine card we don't exactly know yet into that digital certificate to be able to prove that you are not as risky of a traveler as other people.
1: Yeah. And actually Forum did a full show on vaccine passports. So you can listen to that replay. It was on June 2nd and it's at kqed.org slash Forum. Um, just to remind listeners, I'm Marisa Lagos and for Mina Kim today, we are talking about the summer travel boom with Natalie Compton, Jeanette Seha, and Faith, a DLA um, of Oakland. And, and Faith, uh, we have a comment here that I, I think is great for you. Um, one listener writes, I'm not traveling. I I don't have any travel plans other than local camping. I don't need immediate gratification and don't want to add to the problem of prices and crowds. Relax, Uh. people. Um, But there's also people (laughs) that might not have the choice, right, who may not have the money to travel after this tough year, who might have kids that they're worried about. So, Faith, can you talk a little bit about, like, options for day trips or shorter, cheaper, you know, things that might not be um, putting, you know, either health or other concerns on communities outside of our own?
3: Yeah, I mean, one of the, I think one of the exciting things we've seen is people are rediscovering their, rediscovering domestic travel and rediscovering their local communities. At least here in the Bay Area, that means that prices have really shot up locally. So uh, that's an issue too. I mean, I recently uh, rented an RV with a company I don't recommend um, and did a little (laughs) trip. We I was Airbnb and we got it. We thought this would be super fun. And we were taking my mom back home because we had kidnapped her and, Uh, during the pandemic. Then when she got vaccinated, we were taking her home. So we thought it would be really fun to drive through the Pacific Northwest. Um, It was prohibitively expensive uh, to do an RV, but camping and, you know, just, you know, seeing all of, you know, that sort of thing that was going on. We saw families everywhere and, you know, things that I hadn't done for a long time. And so I think, you know, trying to you might have to hack it a little bit because in certain areas prices are are, are going up. But if you think of off the beaten path places, um, and you know, uh, those are great things to do with uh, with families uh, or doing a house swap with someone. Mm. Uh, just you know, uh, yeah, yeah, things like Je-
1: that. Yeah, for great. sure. That, that's I actually haven't thought of that, Jeanette Say hi- I mean. <laughs> Can you think about I mean, I feel like, hung, like, camping reservations are kind of like a Hunger Games thing in California, right? Like, you gotta be if you want a public site, at least it's like a six month out thing. Do you have any tips, hacks on like, ways that people who may not have made plans yet? Because I think this year was especially weird not knowing how open things would be six months ago, you know, um, how, you know, and you're from Southern California, where there's obviously just like up here, amazing open spaces and options
5: yeah absolutely um i you know recently uh, a couple of days ago my sister-in-law took my niece to disneyland um so i know that disneyland is re- has reopened and it's interesting because i wanted to know what it was like now um during the pandemic and she said so many things have changed um the limit on people who can go on rides eat at restaurants enter the park uh everything is different so i know that for families like Disneyland is maybe an option, although the wait to get a reservation to get a ticket, that may be a little longer um, as we're still in the pandemic. But other options, I would say, would be, uh, for example, Southern California would be a three-hour drive radius like Temecula. I know a lot of people who've gone to Palm Springs for the summer Kind of going with what Faith mentioned, people can do house swaps, they can do Airbnbs, um, they could stay at the boutique hotels, um, things like that. I know that also there's a lot of talk about uh, summer and fall weddings coming back, of course, oh. smaller and intimate that people who have postponed their weddings, for example, last year are starting to talk about maybe doing small, smaller ceremonies mm-hmm. uh, local, locally. Yeah. <laughs> that- Sorry, go ahead. ahead.
3: Oh, the drive is a great idea. I mean, I'm I'm currently right now staying in an Airbnb up on the Pacific Coast Highway. And just oh, nice. I've just been driving the Pacific Coast Highway, you know, um, for about a month now. And it's just incredible finding little towns as they come up, like little motels. And that's a great way. We're so lucky in California. But I think many parts of the country have these little spaces as well, you know, little hidden gems in the forest and on lakes and
1: and more, Yeah, and more private campgrounds, too, I've noticed, proliferating, I think, because people, there's such an interest yes. in outdoor travel. Um, I want to bring in caller Nick next. I think he went a little further than a local forest. Nick, welcome to Forum.
6: Thank you for having me on the show. Um, I After getting vaccinated, I resumed business travel and flew to Jakarta in April. Um, normally, it's 21, 22 hours. Uh, but with the lack of connecting flights, it took 31 hours when I had to keep a mask on. So advice to people who have long-haul travel, wear the masks that go around your head, not against, not around your ear, because it does become very uncomfortable 10, 12 hours into having your mask on. My second observation was how expensive it was to get a PCR test if you're flying on a Sunday or a Monday, where labs may not be operating on a Saturday and Sunday, so you can't get the test results on time. It'll end up costing 350 to $400 to get vaccinated, and travelers should, in my view, try to plan for Tuesday through Friday flights if they have that choice. And my last observation, if you will, is uh, how impressed I was by Indonesia, a country whose per capita income is, I think, about eight times less than the U.S. They had contact tracing app. They had services for coming to your hotel and getting the PCR tested for, dom- for domestic flights. Um, the whole routine about entering public facilities, it was just so impressively well done uh, that I felt safer there uh, during the pandemic there uh, than I did when I was here.
1: So interesting. Thank you so much, Nick. We appreciate your call. Um, Joe tweets, here's one I think about several times a day. Is it cool to travel to Italy now, Spain? And of course, what are the cheapest flights now that Norwegian air has left Oakland? Um, (laughs) Natalie Compton, do you have any sense of specific, I mean, I know it's very different country to country, even within the EU, right? Sure, you're right. Right now,
4: Italy is open to vaccinated American travelers. If you go on certain routes, Uh, for example, Delta, United, and I believe American have these special flights where you can go to Italy and not quarantine, but you have to test before you get on that flight. So that is an option, which is very exciting because for a long time we didn't think it would be. Denmark reopened today for U.S. Uh, travelers who are vaccinated. Like I said before, Wednesday, France is opening. So there are a lot of places that are coming back online. Iceland, Romania, Poland, there are so many places that are welcoming American tourists back, uh, even if you don't have "quote unquote" essential travel like was the case before and without crazy quarantine requirements. Uh, at this point, We know that because of this travel surge we're seeing, prices are going to go up as more people get back out there. Still at this time, flights are about, uh, they're still cheaper than they were in 2019, but they're much higher than they were in 2020, obviously. So if you are thinking about doing a flight to Europe, I would start looking uh, on Skyscanner or Google Flights, setting up flight alerts. And if you start to see things fluctuating, going higher, wait for it to drop again again. And then book. We know that flight prices change about 120 times before the actual takeoff, so it could go up, could go down. You just have to kind of gamble there.
1: Oh gosh, oh. you're making me like you're raising my anxiety about flying again. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to remind our listeners that I'm Marisa Lagos here for Mina Kim, and we are talking about summer travel with Natalie Compton. She writes the travel column in The Washington Post, By the Way, Southern California-based travel journalist Jeanette Seha and Faith, a She's an Oakland-based travel ra- writer who... F- Uh, focuses on traveling while BIPOC. She even does a workshop on that. And we want to hear from our listeners what travel plans do you have? What are your tips for finding deals or uncommon destinations? Has your perspective about travel changed because of the pandemic or do you have questions for our experts? You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at KQED.org. And Faith, you know, one thing I was thinking about was within the context of what you already did before the pandemic which is sort of try to help people you know find safe and and comfortable ways to travel in places that they may not feel that safe and comfortable in honestly Um, and like I know this I mean from years of, of talking to queer friends who you know maybe took an RV trip to a more rural state and you know people weren't as comfortable that they were two women sharing a hotel room things like that But now we have this whole added layer of, like, the politicization of masks and COVID. And I I just wonder, like, how you think about that, because I I I think the etiquette of a lot of this is very different. I mean, even within California, if you're in San Francisco versus, say, Fresno, where Natalie is right now. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean. Are you still there? Yeah, Uh go ahead.
2: Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I, I think definitely the politicization of ma- of masks and I think some of the things that we're all seeing with these altercations on planes, um, really seeing people be kind of identified around what we assume they are politically and then racially as well. I think there's a lot of racial motivation behind those. So it does make it uh, stressful for travelers who often worried about whether they were welcome in spaces anyway. Um, and I think there are, you know, a lot of interesting, um, there are a lot of interesting kind of communities that have grown up so there's like a huge black travel movement and one of the things that they do is that they create networks and resources for black and brown travelers around the world so if you're going to be somewhere you can actually you know go on to the black travel um the travel noir app or the nomadness app and find out where other people are or they do things together and they say you know um This, you know, this is what the requirements are. We're going to, you know, we're going to meet together. Um, And so they really make it possible for folks who might, who might not know how to travel alone or who might not feel safe. And so that's one way, um, you know, there are all sorts of, you know, there are um, groups that that do outside travel. Um, I mean, you know, Uh, kind of nature travel like outdoor Afro Bellin and Base Camp there are bicycling groups like queer bicycling groups and so that's one of the best ways to you know have people there and and in the Washington Post article we talked about like you know figuring out who your allies are on a plane um, figuring out who your allies are when you travel um, so that you can feel safer in these spaces
1: yeah which is like such an added of course burden (laughs) that we already know people have to deal with in their day-to-day lives if if they're um you know, are in certain communities. But it, it seems like especially challenging now. Um, We're going to say goodbye to Faith Adela. She's an Oakland-based travel writer, author of Meeting Faith, the Forest Journals of a Black Buddhist Nun, and founder of the Traveling While BIPOC Writing Workshop for writers who are black, indigenous, and people of color. Faith, thank you so much. Enjoy your trip that you're on right now. Thank you so much. It was great having you. I'm Marisa Lagos and Firmina Kim, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll keep talking about summer travel with Natalie Compton and Jeanette Seha, both journalists. Um, Give us a call at 866-733-6786. Tweet at us at
2: KQED Forum. We'll be right back. We've all got those parts of our house where the Internet just won't go.
1: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. In for Mina Kim, we are talking about the summer travel boom with Jeanette Seha, a Southern California based travel journalist, TV host, travel advisor, and global public speaker. Jeanette is joining us from Istanbul, where she just land landed, excuse me. And Natalie Compton, reporter for Washington Post travel column by the way. Um, Natalie, I know last year camping was like huge um and there's a recent article in Vox saying that this year though is the year of beach resorts what do you think i mean it seems like probably both all of the above
4: all of the above is right uh looking at google trends data we know that beach searches are up 40 percent from last year camping searches are up 90 percent since last year so it's definitely this huge interest in camping although beach travel has always been popular if you are considering a beach trip A lot of beach houses are booked up, so you might have to scramble to try to find a place to go, but uh, it is a great time to be going to the beach and still being outside because that might make people more comfortable. But like you said before, if you're struggling to find a campsite, a lot of places might book up a year in advance, even pre-pandemic, popular spots were tough to get. I have loved using Hip Camp, which is, I keep mentioning this, the Airbnb of, it's the Airbnb of camping opportunities. So you can rent land on someone's property, sure. uh, and that is a great alternative if you're if you're struggling to find a place.
1: That was a great idea. Um, I want to bring in another caller, Judy from Pacifica. Welcome to Forum. Well, hey, thanks
2: a lot for doing this program. It's really great, and it's really
3: getting me excited about <laughs> Good. the fun stuff we can do. <clears throat> so I'm fortunate enough to have a camper van and. I'm getting a bunch of work done on it right now. And then I'm doing a road trip with my daughter to Bozeman, Montana, and my brother and sister-in-law and their family are going to be there. And then later in August, I'm going to be doing a whitewater river raft trip on six days down the Salmon River in Idaho with my son. He's a whitewater river raft guy. So outdoor activities,
1: I think that's the way to go. Awesome. Thank you for calling. Another listener writes, I understand a little road trip with your pod, but flights and international border crossings are wildly irresponsible. A close friend won't get vaccinated, but will travel because she doesn't live her life, quote, in fear of COVID. Jeanette Seha, what say you? I mean, you're obviously traveling internationally, but I do know, I mean, this is part of the kind of bigger conversation we're having about vaccinations and and personal responsibility.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I wasn't gonna take any international trips until I was fully vaccinated, which I am. And even for me taking my first international trip, I had to do a lot of adequate research, uh, for example, on Turkey, what were the requirements um, uh, coming in. And one of those things was like what I said was the uh, PCR testing, which is also pricey. I think it was uh, 225 for the test and you have to show proof of it, uh, as well as get a visa. So I feel like uh, now having done my first international trip in the past 24 hours, just understanding myself, the additional layers and preparation and research that is needed to do uh, when you want to do an international trip. I think for travelers, it's You know, I hear all over the place uh, people who feel comfortable who are vaccinated people who aren't who don't feel comfortable. I think that's a a completely individual decision, and I respect everyone's um, decision if they don't want to travel right now. I totally respect that. And people who are vaccinated feel a little more comfortable if they do that. I also advise them, you know, to be mindful of the locals at the destinations that they're going to because not everyone has the same vaccine, you know, equity and accessibility as we do back in the States. So it's important to still, you know, pack your PPE gear. And I see it here in Turkey. Everyone is wearing masks. And then even on the flight, on Turkish Airlines, the flight attendants would go around and look at people and say, please put on your mask. Mm-hmm. If you're not eating or drinking, keep your mask on. So they were really good about keeping track about that. So I've been really impressed in the past just few hours that I've been here. Um, but there are so many more layers now to international travel um, that you know a traveler has to look into and do research and be prepared. And I believe what Natalie was saying before too. You know, it might cost a little more too. For example, get testing. Um, is the country or destination? Do they require quarantine before, or after? There's just so many more layers to international travel as well.
4: Yeah, for sure. I will also yeah, say that. In terms of the person's friend who is saying, oh, I don't live in a box, I'm not going to get vaccinated, truly every single health expert that I've spoken to during the pandemic and now that the vaccine is out has said, do not travel if you're not vaccinated. They do not feel comfortable. Not only is it a risk for you, it's a risk for the places that you are visiting because yeah, COVID is still very much out there in the world. You will be putting a lot of people at risk. But we do know that being vaccinated makes it harder for you to pass it to people, harder for you to get. So- A lot of people are feeling comfortable traveling again and uh, even health experts that i've talked to epidemiologists and doctors are beginning to travel again
1: what um sticking with you natalie for a moment those experts what do they say about families like my own who have kids under the age of 12 who can't get vaccinated yet i mean how should we be thinking about that both for more local travel but also if people do want to get on a plane and maybe go visit family or do something a little more ambitious
4: I know that a lot of parents have talked about the struggle of keeping a mask on kids, and that can be really tough if you have young children. But right now, the the move, I think, is to uh, make sure as much as possible that your, your kid can wear masks as they travel. Uh, it is a tricky situation. It is good news that now that the vaccine age is lowering, more kids are getting vaccinated. The health experts that I spoke to said you probably can't expect another age group to get approved this summer. Maybe in the fall, it'll go to younger ages. But for now, um, people are saying, do all the normal things that we've done during the pandemic, social distancing, great hand hygiene, wearing masks uh, is really essential for your kids.
1: Right. And we also know there's a lot of data showing that with adults vaccinated and people still following those protocols, kids are just far less likely to get You know, Mm -hmm. sick. So, good news out of that. I know there were some CDC studies around classrooms and just like the Mm -hmm. adults are the adults have been the spreaders in a lot of these. Um, I want to bring in Chris from Vallejo who has some thoughts about, about safe outdoor travel. Chris, welcome to Forum.
6: Hi. Yeah, we have a tour company that we tour Mendocino. It's called the Mendocino Experience. And we've completely changed the way we've done tours. We ditched our tour bus. We now do a a caravan tour where we meet up with the people, everybody drives their own car, and the guide uh, leads them to the different locations. We take people on tours of cannabis farms and wineries and the giant redwoods, but everybody drives their own car. Everybody's separate and all our stops are outdoor locations until the COVID crisis is over.
1: Awesome. Thank you for calling, Chris. Um, Jeanette, I mean, it seems like we've gotten really creative in the past year. Is it your sense that people will still kind of even, you know, even if most people are vaccinated, that we're kind of changing the way we think about travel in a lot of areas?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even for for me myself, I. I have a whole another level of uh, appreciation for travel and uh, just keeping in contact with you know, friends or family uh, abroad has been really important during these times. And what I've been seeing uh, all, all over the world during the pandemic Even the beginning of the pandemic is a lot of tour guides. Uh, For example, I I know a tour guide in Venice, he wasn't able to do tours because there were no visitors to Venice. Um, But what he started to do was virtual tours. Mm. So he would do, uh, he started to get creative and to show us virtually Venice from his eyes and do more interactive tours. Um, So I think a lot of uh, other destinations have been, you know, tapping into the virtual uh, side of, of tours and getting a local perspective. Um, so I think that's been really creative so that we can still learn wherever we are from home. We can still learn about the world, uh, connect with locals from around the world. Even if we physically can't travel, we can still stay connected. And I think that's made me really appreciative. And also, while there are many countries still not open to Americans at the moment, um, you could still read about it. You can still watch, you know, documentaries, film, you can still learn about these destinations so that when things slowly and safely open up, you can go one day and plan, you know, your next trip.
1: Yeah, I think we're all a little burnt out on Zoom. I want to, um, uh, uh, Linda writes to us, we're seniors planning to drive to Illinois and Michigan this month to visit family. We usually take about five or six days to do this and are wondering about safety precautions, especially in motels and restaurants along the way. We're of course vaccinated and regular mask wearers here in San Francisco, but are nervous about how mindful other states are of COVID protocols. I mean, Natalie, the good news is for Linda, they're vaccinated, right? <laughs> but yeah. But it is, I think some of this is just like wrapping our heads around what, Just what a roller coaster this has all been and where we're at now. It is so incredibly strange to start to see
4: people's mouths again and see people gathering or see people in big groups that it is totally a shock to the system. So I I can understand how even if people are doing a domestic road trip, it can feel very uncomfortable and strange. And as you drive through different states, you'll notice that different places have different levels of of COVID precautions still in place or how people act. Uh, like Jeanette said, in Turkey, maybe everybody's wearing a mask. In Texas, maybe nobody is wearing a mask. So, depending on where you go, you will face different situations. And, and we've seen that the pandemic has ushered in this new era of domestic travel. Airlines are adding many new routes to lots of domestic destinations. So, you might get to know different parts of the country better than you did ever before. Uh, and I think that's a special time for American travel.
1: Yeah, for sure. Another listener asks, I haven't quite committed to hashtag van life, but I'd like to do more road trips. Are national parks mask free? It seems like sometimes the federal government, which runs the parks, have rules that are different than the states where the parks are located. Natalie, you want to take that? Yeah.
4: Right now, what we are seeing based on some of the early numbers of, of visitation, national parks are going to be just immensely popular this year. I can't even I can't even tell you how popular they're going to be. So depending on where you're going, you're going to have to do research on the park because a lot of very popular parks are going to require a reservation before you go. So you might drive all the way to Yellowstone and then find out you can't get in because you don't have a reservation. And uh, right now, the National Park Service seem to have, a, uh, I mean, I guess a more strict mask policy than uh, maybe some places in the United States. A ranger that I was speaking to last month was saying masks are required in public areas where there might be a shop or a ranger station or where you're going to be around other people. And if you're hiking out on a trail and no one's around, you don't have to wear a mask. But if you're if you're passing a crowded trail, they will tell you that you need to be wearing a mask. But national parks, super popular this summer. If you want to go to them, make sure you get your reservations
1: as soon as possible. You are listening to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos in Fermina Kim. We're talking about summer travel boom the summer travel boom and everyone's travel plans with Natalie Compton, reporter for The Washington Post and Jeanette Seha, a Southern California-based travel journalist. Um, and Jeanette, I mean, well, here, here's a good one for you because you're in Istanbul. Richard wants to know how much can you really enjoy a foreign country with social distancing at popular tourist sites?
5: That is a great question, and I will have to follow up with Richard on that because I lit—I just landed three hours ago, came straight to the hotel, and I'm here. Um, but I will say, you know, just in a few hours from getting off the plane to going through customs, immigration, luggage, and to the hotel, it's been very smooth. I do see a lot, like the airport was very calm and quiet. wasn't crowded. Uh, outside and looking out my window. Everyone for the most part is wearing masks unless they're eating. Um, So I will definitely get back to him uh, to let you know, but it it looks like so far it's, it's, you know, they're really keeping track on it.
4: Great. I will say that even in domestic travel, it might feel different with those social distancing policies to travel again. I went to a bar in Maui and they had tables in front of the bar separating everybody. Mm -hmm. So you're all 12 feet apart. So that's not going to enable some of those travel relationships that you might make when you're going to museums, though. It could be more special because you need a ticketed reservation. You have less crowds uh, cramming in front of the Mona Lisa. So it could be a good thing in some cases, and it could be a detriment if you were uh, hoping for it to be more like it was before the pandemic.
1: Totally. I was talking to somebody who had canceled their Disneyland trip because they planned it before the California was going to reopen. And they're like, well, I was, I was anticipating it would not be that crowded and now they're going to let more people in. And I don't want to do, deal with that. Right. Um, I'm going to bring in Jeffrey from Los Angeles. Jeffrey, welcome to forum.
0: Yes. Uh, I wanted to mention if you're going long distances inside the United States, uh, Amtrak provides a number of long distance trains with sleeping accommodations and, um, Uh, We're planning a trip from Los Angeles to Portland, Oregon in July. Uh, We've already got the reservations for that. And a tip for people who are flying into a domestic city inside the United States from, let's say, the Bay Area or Los Angeles would be to go to an off-airport location and rent rent your car there rather than to pay all the fees and taxes at the airport.
1: Awesome. Awesome tip, Jeffrey. I actually used to use that to to fly into your hometown sometimes go to Burbank instead of Los Angeles. We so I I think, um, you know, Natalie Compton that this idea of rail travel, it's like we've kind of gone retro after COVID, right? Like we've got like more people are doing RVs, more people are camping. And I think that that kind of fits in um, with Mm -hmm. with this with this throwback idea.
4: It totally does. The bookings for RVs are through the roof, and I think people are feeling really nostalgic for that Great American Road Trip. Trains have been popular. What I've heard from people who have taken them, and this was more during the pandemic when vaccines weren't such a a strength yet, was they felt super safe if they were in one of those roomettes, a private cabin that you could rent. It was a different story if you're walking around the cabins and and trying to go to the dining car where uh, most Amtrak's were cutting out meal services and maybe just doing grab and go food, which is not ideal for a long, long trip. So you might want to bring your own food, but it is a a special time to get back into what people are calling slow travel, road trips, taking trains, not just uh, rushing to get to your destination.
1: Well, Navi writes, I don't think I'll venture outside California this year, but I plan on taking the train to the Central Coast and hopefully in July, August, things simmer down on planes as I plan on flying from LAX back home. And I'm getting my dive certification, which involves a trip to Monterey, which I haven't been to in a while. I think that is a a great one as a diver myself, Navi. Um, And Jeanette writes, my husband and I recently visited Costa Rica to see our 19-year-old son who's learning remotely in a rented home with other college students. call on that guy's part um but Jeanette says we're both fully vaccinated and we did not know we needed to download a qr code to our phones and nearly missed our flight it took about 30 minutes to get the code we were frantic in the airport she also says the airport restaurants are not prepared consider bringing your own food janette did you bring your own food on your flight to istanbul You know, actually, I did. I brought um, some food to go uh,
5: because I'm vegetarian and I just wanted to have something for sure. So I did bring some vegetarian food with me um, and some snacks. And I did eat some of the the food on the plane as well. Um, But it's interesting because my niece is in Costa Rica right now as well. And so... Yeah. And I also before she was able to fly there, she also had to get health insurance and uh, show proof of negative COVID test as well. So it's interesting to learn from her experience, too. Yeah.
1: And I think it speaks to what you all were talking about at the top, which is like you really just have to be very sort of responsible and do extensive research about exactly where you're going right natalie and um i mean (laughs) i also noticed you in one of your columns you talked about like why do i book the cheaper you know ticket and then spend that money on crappy airport food (laughs) so like yes uh
4: and what's funny is that i know airport food isn't good and yet i still always do it but uh, that might be a nostalgia thing too but i have heard of (laughs) Even travel writers, uh, a travel writer friend I know, a photographer who was denied boarding at LAX recently because she didn't have what you needed to get into Nicaragua. So people are definitely running into those hurdles. You have to read the fine print and know exactly what you need before you get to the airport.
1: Airport Wi Fi isn't always great. So you might have that 30 minute struggle to download your QR code. All right. um, I will just leave this with Gwen who writes, given that we only have 10 years to dramatically cut CO2 emissions, let's take this into consideration when planning our vacations because air travel contributes to emissions. Gwen, good point. Maybe to those throwback uh, stuff. Well, this is bringing us to the end of our hour. I am Mina Kim. I'm Marisa Lagos here for Mina Kim. We were talking to Natalie Compton and Jeanette Seha, both wonderful travel writers. I appreciate you both being here. Have a great weekend.